Ho, 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 it's UK Motor Talk. Christmas 2020. Well, cue the sound effects and jingle our collective bells. This is podcast number 80, and it is the Christmas special. Incredibly, unbelievably, after only 43 minutes, we've all managed to get onto the same call, which means that we can bring you this podcast gold. I'm Mike, and today with me, we have... Jim, hello there. Merry Christmas. Oh, well, no, not Merry Christmas, just Christmas. <laughs> and I'm Graham, and I'm finally with you after technical hassles. Galore, but we're here, alive. If I had the energy, I'd be kicking, but I'm not. It's a Christmas miracle. Hello, I'm Dave. Happy Christmas, though. I'm with Mike and uh, Jim on this one. It's not really merry, is it? No, I, I'm, I'm not sure it is. But hey, it's it's still Christmas, and if nothing else, it's a few days off of work. So, hooray! Something hooray. to uh, something to celebrate. So that's probably music to the ears of uh, of the millions of people that have been furloughed on and off for the past nine months, isn't it? Two and a half days at home. Well, it's probably just as good as maybe having a bank holiday to honour the fact that they had to spend the time on furlough or some other nonsense that they said we're going to have next year. Uh, maybe we'll oh, have well, a, a bank holiday for, for V-Day or something like that. But uh, if you are working and listening to this, I am sorry. Uh, if you're listening to this and it's the middle of the summer, why have you not listened to it earlier? For a start, that's your own problem. But I hope you had a Merry Christmas whenever it was, or if you haven't had Christmas yet, well... I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. looking forward to it. I think, first of all, the uh, hot topic of conversation, I think we should do a uh, very quick, we'll try and keep it under half an hour, uh, review of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So I'd just like to, I think probably the best way to... There we are, and that's totally relived the uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix for anybody that uh, that did happen to miss it. Um, that was a bit ridiculous, wasn't it? I I I got lots of stuff done around the house, but that was poor. So it's uh, it's all done and dusted. Lewis has won the championship. Max won the race. Lewis shouldn't have come back. And um, yeah, that's it. Bring on Formula One next year. I just wonder how much uh, Red Bull had to uh, drop Toto to. Um... Let Max take pole and win the race. You know there, there are several millions involved. I suspect. Uh, no, I think. Well, I think Lewis was probably still a bit uh, off colour from COVID, wasn't he? He said he didn't feel quite right. So it would have uh, would have been good to see George in the car again, but actually not at that track and not at that race because Jesus Christ, that was dull. That was a boring race. It's it's not very often I fall asleep during a Grand Prix, but I did on this occasion. There was one thing that was particularly interesting, though, wasn't it? And that was a test in a, dare I say, proper Formula One car. Noise is all I'm saying. Just noise. Uh, actually, yeah, I think that the highlight of the entire Grand Prix weekend was the uh, was the Renault R. Was it the R twenty six? I forget the model name. But uh, to hear that thing screaming around oh. Abu Dhabi, that was good. And the way the noise bounced off the all the grandstands and the hotels and the buildings and through the mm. tunnel out to the pit lane and stuff, that was uh, that was quite spectacular. That's exactly what they're supposed to sound like. That's real racing cars. Absolutely. If you watched it on uh, Channel 4, did you notice Fernando wave to Coulthard as he went by? That was fantastic watch. It was a fantastic watch. Slick tyres. Oh, it just sounded so good. It's the, I can't get over the noise. It, it is just the noise, and I forgot how good they sounded. I mean, it's it's been it's been a few years. In fact, it hasn't been a few years at all, has it? Goodwood was the last time we would have heard something with that sort of power. 
But just watching the thing fly around, watching people stick their fingers in the ears, yeah. It's the noise that gets inside your head, isn't it? I remember when we, I mean, we've done various things, but the one that really sticks in my mind is a few years ago when Lewis was at Mercedes World. We went for a a do there and um, they were driving around on that. If you've ever been to Mercedes World at Brooklands, it's quite a place. They've got a very tight little circuit there that you can go around in and various AMG cars and find out just how scared you can get at the end of what is quite a short straight. And they had Lewis Hamilton and Heike Kovalainen, his teammate, both at McLaren then, and obviously still powered by Mercedes. And they had them flying around this tight little circuit, and they got so close to us. We were stood on the edge of the circuit, probably way, way closer than we should have been recording it. And the noise, it just gets into It's like somebody's got a drill and stuck it inside your ear. But it's just the most wonderful, wonderful sound, that scream. And I can remember mm. how we got upset when they went from V10s to V8s, going, oh, the purity of the sound. But now you listen to what they're driving around in that sounds, by comparison, like a like a Dyson with a dodgy motor bearing. Oh, God, I'd have the V8s back in a heartbeat. Late uh, 80s, I stood on the pit wall at Silverstone doing a tyre test as the, the Ferraris came screaming through at full chat, and it just got into your soul. It was just an amazing sound. The V12s, though, weren't they like like music? What actually is it that uh, that makes them so quiet at the moment? Because we've had V6 turbos before, haven't we? And they sounded glorious. So why I don't get why these are so quiet. Is it just the rev limit? It's the energy recovery, which is taking a lot of the energy out of the exhaust, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, well, I don't like that. Get rid of it. It is a shame, and you, it really does bring back such memories, doesn't it? Hearing that scream as they sort of come flying past. And even, like you said earlier, Mike, it's just the noise that they make at Goodwood with the sound sort of reverberating off the buildings and all the stands and everything. And um, again, I think it was a couple of years ago where, well, it was a good few years ago, it was not long after Fernando had won another championship and they were playing tunes on the engine because of the sort of the rev range yes. and the speed at which they could go yeah, up and down. They actually, yes, wasn't it? We are the champions. God save the Queen. Yeah, they do that at Goodwood, didn't they? They played the national anthem. And the French national anthem, quite appropriately. <laughs> Absolute magic. So there we are. That was the uh, the highlight of the weekend, I think. Uh, and I think that Fernando Alonso chap's done quite well in the in the young driver test. So as that <laughs> test is for uh, drivers new to Formula One, he did quite well by um, uh, going oh, quickest. Funnily enough, so uh, that bodes well for next year. Yeah, I, th- I think he's got a future ahead of him potentially, or behind him either way. I think so. Yeah, he might uh, he might do all right. He might do all right. So, uh, I think well, we were chatting on the uh, on our WhatsApp group during the week about your friends, 
Yaris, weren't we, David? And uh, it's mm. a bit of a shame they missed a trick, actually, because uh, when Alonso was in the Toyota Le Mans team, it would have been nice to see a few <laughs> Fernando Alonso special editions. So uh, mm. there we are, sliding smoothly into that little uh, little segue there. This is the Yaris GR, which I have to say looks absolutely phenomenal in that, that colour. So It must be a metallic red. It's difficult quite to tell in the picture. But mm. I've, I've only seen them in white, and yeah, I kind of get. I like the you know, the the shape of the thing, the fact that it is that sort of square, bulging, arched little beast that it is. But in that colour, it looks really great. I mean, hopefully, uh, we can stick a, a picture up. So, if you want to pop over to UK Motor Talk uh, and and have a look, you can see what we're talking about. But it looks great in that colour. It's very special. I think he chose that especially to be different because I think the general feeling was the money was going to be on the white ones to try and match the rally cars. And black is another one that sort of suits it quite well. It gives you that sort of Darth Vader helmet coming up behind you at a rate of knots in your <laughs> rearview mirror sort of feel, just intimidating you out of the way and really ramming home the fact you've been overtaken by a Yaris, which would be quite a joy. But uh, no, his is the red one, and I believe it's the one with the cup pack or the track pack. I can't remember what it's called, but it's got even more power and even more grip and even more silliness. And it's um, it's an amazing car. Yeah, it's actually quite a big car, isn't it? For a small car, yeah surprisingly because it's a bespoke um, body shell i think for the gr yaris it's it shares very little if any with the uh, the standard sort of shopping trolley type thing that your gran would buy but um it's still recognizably a yaris and it will still sort of cause a few raised eyebrows when it comes flying past you i should imagine 100 percent. i would get a tartan blanket stick it on the parcel shelf national trust sticker in the front window <laughs> uh, you know just, just go for the full tin. stereotype. Yeah, I love, I yeah. love a cue card. Always I, like I did fun. this for the onion. Always, always stuck a, a, a tartan blank on the parcel shelf, and it's it's got the the old the old stickers in the front. I think there, there's nothing more fun than pulling up to a traffic light and someone there buzzing a, a three one six or a three one eight or something, and then you just disappear off the lights. It's hugely amusing. Mm-hmm. Really, is amusing. I think the, the problem is though with older stuff now, it, it gets a bit too obvious. What you really need. Is something like a, a Volvo on a you know on a P Reg or something, something that you still see about and you wouldn't give a second look to. But there's enough space under there to put a big engine in it. I think we should just do it. Maybe we should. Maybe we should get one of the two and a half turbos and and see what we can get it to. I think that would well, be hilarious fun. Paul Newman famously, I think he had a 760 or something like that, or a 960 estate that uh, looked absolutely stock, but it had a, a very heavily breathed upon five litre or more american full-on muscle car v8 supercharged yes. i think it's possibly roush or something it was on uh one of one episode of chasing classic cars and i thought yeah that that really ticks the boxes for me a big car that looks like nothing else but like you say it would just drop anything at a hat and you know i'm lucky enough to have something that can sort of do the do that sort of trick it looks like a minicab but it sort of disappears at quite a, an indecent rate when it wants to and it, it is it is quite addictive it's um you have to be careful where, where and when you use it, though. Mm. I rather like the, the notion of these American crate engines that, that you can buy yes. now, which is basically a complete mm. V8 twin turbo, and, you know, they're, they're 700, 800, 900 brake horsepower straight <laughs> out of the box. Yeah. That well, in a Hellcat engine that you can buy, and it comes, it comes with the clocks, with yeah. the... the it, I can't remember if it comes with the fuel supply or not, but it comes with basically everything. It's, a, it's all go. in the box. Plug yeah. and yeah. play, yeah. It ain't cheap, but uh, but it's a, a, a hell of a way to um, inject some major horsepower into a reasonable sized motor car. But a Volvo, mm. yeah, I like that. I like the sound of that. Yes. Should we yeah. have a whip round or do the lottery? 
see if we can get one shipped over. Well, you see, I'm kind of I, I, once again, I find myself mourning the the loss of my V70, Brad. If you may or may not remember, that was the two hundred and seventy thousand mile beaten up beige Volvo with a brown interior, which was it was glorious, wasn't it? To be honest with you, it, it did so much. It, it moved. It, well, it moved you, didn't it? It was um, not to tears, but yeah, actually moved to a house. Um, was stacked top to bottom with with stuff whilst I was building uh, building an extension in my loft and just such a great car all round. But it had that uh, that five cylinder engine underneath. I think big turbo, lots of power. That would have been. I mean, it was heavy, but it would have been so amusing. You could overload those though, uh, and I did so once. In the most embarrassing manner, uh, coming back from France, four up, heavily loaded, loads of um, wine in five-litre kegs, etc., etc. We were really very heavily loaded, Classy. and it stopped on the on the ramp coming off the ferry at Newhaven. <laughs> uh, so they they pushed me down the ramp, which is embarrassing in itself. Wouldn't and restart, clear, sir. And, and then yes. <laughs> and then I noticed no. uh, after about half an hour that every time I tried to tick it over, it was pumping fuel out the back. And we were so low that the fuel filter, which was just down on the driver's side, just under the rear door, the, the joint had just neatly been popped open by the <laughs> um, coming down the ramp. Just, you know, one of, the, one of the rumble strips as you come down the ramp. I'd just taken it apart, so... Jubilee clip in hand, we put it back together and away we went. I think when your alcoholism reaches the stage where you manage to <laughs> stop a Volvo from working, it's probably <laughs> probably a sign you should seek a bit of help, I suggest. More than automotive help. We were staying at a friend's house and, and the local wine co-op had a basically a petrol pump. Uh, so you took a five litre can and you filled it up with a petrol pump. Do you have an address for this place, Brian? Brilliant. <laughs> well, bring a jerry can. Yes, yeah, exactly so, exactly so. And and that was the, I mean, Send they would even sell you five-litre cans, but uh, I think the five-litre can, this is about two or three years ago, cost uh, probably about three, four quid. So coming up next week on, uh, on the UK Motor Talk website, there will be step-by-step instructions <laughs> on how to install a plexiglass tank into the back of your Volvo estate. <laughs> So you can dispense with the jerry cans and just carry a straight, uh, what with the boot, all the back seats down. 800 litres? Oh, goodness yeah, knows. 800 litres of wine, that'd do. A small village, probably. I think what you actually need is one of those window cleaner vans. You know, the ones that have the big water tank inside for the... Mm. They, they use the waterless washing system, whatever they call it, I don't know. Well, it's not waterless, is it? It's in the back. But you know what I mean, yeah. those long-reach brooms. Think how much yeah. you can fit inside one of those. That'd do. <laughs> Get one of them. Actually, that was that was cheaper than the fuel I was buying at the time. So perhaps if you could persuade your Volvo to run on red wine, that would be a very good deal. It'd smell great. Just imagine Graham, can't you, at the pump? One for you, <laughs> one for me, one for you. One for me. Well, given the rustic nature of some of the French wine that I've sampled over the years, it probably would run most cars. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, well, the Calvados will. This was a, a very very good plonk. It's a, a friend of ours has got a house in a wonderfully named uh, small village called Condom. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> he gets an endless number of jokes about it. One thing that happened to me this week is I thought I'd seen one of my old cars parked up in a set of in, in roadworks, actually. It must have been someone doing some of the roadworks down uh, 
on our route into work. And you know when you just catch a glimpse of the number plate and think, is it? And the car that I saw was my original Mini. And I say original Mini, it's a new Mini, but it's the first one I had, which I had to sell to buy my first house. And you, I just did a double take. And at that point, I then just wanted to see it. And I don't know why I do this, because the last time I saw one of my cars in the wild, it was on top of a pile of cars at Bridges Scrapyard. Uh, and it was that's relatively devastating. And I loved this Mini. Like I love... I have a, a, a weird obsession with, with these cars, I have to be saying. You know, it's, it's not quite right. But anyway, I absolutely loved this thing. And we were driving past the other way, Jim and I, and like I didn't quite catch the reg, but by chance... On the way home, he was pulling out of the roadworks, out of the, the sort of compound they have there, and in front of me, and I, I, I was thinking, oh, this is going to go one or two ways. I had to let him go, just to see, just to see the car again. And apart from the fact it's got the wrong wheels on it, subjective, and an exhaust, and it now has a, a works grill and bits and pieces on it, it looked really clean, and I just felt really happy that someone seems to be enjoying it. I was really pleased that I saw it, but. I, this isn't always the case when you see one of your old cars, is it? And I remember the original Onion, the original Ryan my, my parents had, I saw that parked up, I think it was in Toys R Us car park when I was a kid, all covered, that had been keyed and it wasn't in a good way and we'd, we'd loved that thing to bits and it's, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, my old uh, my old MR2, which I sold actually not long after we bought our um, flat, so similar reason, and, uh, and I'd spent weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, polishing, waxing getting every single bit of that car the best it could be and cleaning underneath it and all the wheel arches and, and everything. It was always spotless, that car, and always well kept up to, you know, good tyres on it, etc. Uh, really well looked after and, uh, yeah, sold it to a young kiddie round the corner. I saw him drive around in it a couple of times and it looked okay and then uh, it disappeared for a couple of months uh, and then I saw it again in the car park, at, uh, actually where my wife used to work. It was parked in their car park for some reason. And, uh, and you know, three of the wheels had been curbed really, really badly. It had um, crappy tyres on the back and, you know, the exhaust had gone all pitted and, you know, they'd bumped the rear corner of it. It just, it looked so sorry for itself. It was, uh, it was heartbreaking. I was half torn at the time. I was like, oh, do, do I try and buy it back and, and get it back to how it should be again or just leave it because it's, uh, it's probably bound for the scrap heap fairly soon, I think. But uh, I checked it not that long after, and the MOT had expired, and then it was sawned, and then uh, it's never been MOT'd since. So I'd, uh, I'd run it for all those mm-hmm. years and put 50,000, 60,000 miles on it or whatever I put on it, and, um, yeah, it always it was always brilliant for me and uh, didn't take much long after that for it to disappear, which was uh, heartbreaking. But I keep an eye on all, uh, all most of my old cars on an app that tells you whether they're MOT'd or taxed and this, that, the other. And, yeah, so some of the... Uh, well, actually, some of my first company cars now are starting to drop off being taxed and MOT'd, which is a bit of a weird feeling, because uh, I remember them when they were brand new, fresh off the transport, you know. Mm. Michael, I pick up on one word that you used there, which was Bridges. Bridges was automotive scrapyard heaven. Yes. I don't know whether it does still exist, but yes. the amount, the amount um, of time when I was a teenager that I, that I spent there trying to find bits for Anglias and A40s and Moggies and God knows what else through the, I suppose, the 60s and 70s. 70s, certainly. There was everything they had there. When I first used to buy junk, uh, when, I first, when I first used to buy old cars, um, 
yeah, I used to be up there all the time, and you'd go and find a bit on one of the cars which was better than the bit you had on your own. But they used to stack them three high, and you were able to climb up and down uh, to get what you needed. I remember hanging yeah. out the back of yeah. a Fiesta with the seatbelts wrapped around so I could sort of use it like a harness. And by the same token, you'd be underneath with the door open, the one underneath two cars, just looking through the sunroof for the two directly above you. And you couldn't, if, if I remember correctly, after a while, they would only let you go down into that bottom yard on a Saturday, presumably because that's when health and safety weren't working, but uh, uh, for whatever reason, on a Saturday. And now everything's all concreted over on, on the floor because obviously you don't want stuff that they get rid of all the fluids and bits and pieces because they environmentally dispose of the cars or whatever but to stop anything else from soaking into the ground uh, and they're only on the flat now which seems a bit sad really and, and I, I kind of understand it because it, it probably was a bit dangerous if I'm honest but it was a magical place to visit you could explore back into the 20s 30s 40s there was just everything in there you'll be familiar with Thomas Gray's Elegy in a Country Churchyard and I cribbed from that from a, a, for a newspaper article that I wrote, which was um, Elegy in a Country Scrapyard. It's all about bruised knuckles and blood and all the bits of human flesh that you leave on the car as you're trying to rest a piece that you desperately need to finish the job. And, uh, well, the newspaper liked it. I thought it was quite fun. I must have get out sometime and uh, we can post that. An absolutely magical, magical place. And all joking aside, it's... Um... It is somewhere that, that uh, it's just a joy to be able to go to a scrapyard where you can still take bits off yourself. A, because it teaches you a lot about how to take something apart um, on the ground with the wrong tools. And B, just because it, to see all the, the cars all piled up, or as they may or may not be now, it's something quite sad, but also quite enjoyable just to see all these cars spread out. There's, there's loads of, you just don't know what you're going to find. Hopefully something useful. You very rarely see scrapyards like that anymore, the old-fashioned ones. But you do in Spain, there are loads of them. And if you're travelling on a bus or, or by train, you, you just see loads of scrapyards in exactly that way. And there's one, uh, where was it? On the outskirts of Cordoba, I think it was. And they'd got a giant mast above this scrapyard. And there was a Renault 4 crawling up one side of it, a Renault 4 on top and another one going down the other side of it. It was a nice piece of uh, automotive sculpture. Who needs Goodwood <laughs> for it. the sculptures? Exactly. Yeah. This was just advertising the fact that there was a, a massive scrapyard behind it, but done in the old-fashioned way. All the cars piled up, and presumably people just crawled over them and grabbed the bits they needed. Regular listeners to the podcast will remember my um, very sedate and... Uh, calm rationale and objective overview of what was going on with the government advice in order to check, change and go, whether that's go further and multiply or not, I'm not quite sure. Um, but as we uh, apparently end our transition period in, in six days and not even the people in charge of it have got the foggiest idea what we're supposed to do once we do leave, other than check, change and go, we thought we'd have a, a little look into uh, driving regulations and bits and pieces because I think over the last few years we've all got a bit spoilt and a bit used to just disappearing off abroad whenever we needed to for, you know, work, pleasure, whatever else. You just get in the car, go to the uh, channel, hop under the sea and, uh, and off you go and you just merrily drive from one country to the next and they'd all kind of blur into one. But I think that's going to change a bit after uh, the end of this year. I think it's going to change rather a lot, unfortunately, uh, because I've been used to doing just that as often as I possibly could, uh, partly for collecting wine purposes, of course. But I think there, there, there are two answers. There's a short answer and the long answer. And the short answer is 
don't do it. Don't do it. They don't want you to leave. Don't even attempt it. We are now going to be imprisoned on this island of ours. The longer answer <laughs> is that there are very few knowns and an awful lot of unknowns, unfortunately. The known items are... Uh, forget your driving licence, uh, it won't have any validity at all in Europe, you will be back to needing an international driving permit, so um, hop off to the post office, they're going to be charging you 20 to 30 quid, or you can buy it mail order, which is slightly dearer. You still need to carry your UK licence, apparently, so that they've got uh, proof that you have both, uh, and all countries will need uh, that. You'll need your, your green card. We're back to green cards again. And there may well be a fee for those, but nobody seems to be prepared to commit to a figure at the moment. What does seem to be happening is that the insurance companies, which had nice reciprocal arrangements with most European insurers, no longer do. The one to go for maybe is direct line, because that seems to be in every European country. So hopefully they at least, they're different... Uh, area and national offices will talk to each other, which would be something in itself. EHIC, which was the uh, health card, that no longer is valid, so um, you'll need to take a, a personal insurance as well as your car insurance because you won't be getting any free medical services if you have any sort of incident once you get there. Neither will your pet. This is one I heard the other day. All those pet passports, all to be torn up, useless. It can take three to four months per trip to get a, a pet validity from a vet because they have to be observed over a three-month minimum period before they're going to be allowed to move. So any idea of uh, taking your pet abroad pretty much uh, has gone out of the, the window. Personal insurance is going to get very expensive, so I'm told, but nobody seems to be prepared to uh, name a sum as yet. Abandon hope all you enter here, I think, is going to be the, the sign at the end of the tunnel. Hooray! <laughs> when we all supposed to be better off. But uh, we've taken back control, and that's what matters. We've taken back control. And <laughs> that's <laughs> very important. We've shown them who's boss. They need us more than we need them. And Could... all that shit. <laughs> 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 it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah. I'm, I, I continue to be amazed by the number of people that actually believe that, David. I know you don't, but I, I don't know for anyone else. But in my mind, what we have now is a bit like the what we had at the death of the motor industry back when we had British Leyland and strikes and everything else, and everything started to go abroad. It feels like someone's going to wheel out a metro very shortly and it's going to be the saviour of the of the motor industry in the UK this is what it feels like to me we've already done manufacturing in Britain when people were more interested in buying stuff that was cheaper it was all moved abroad back then and now we've got tariffs and bits and pieces it's just not worth anyone's while is it we've got the hypocrites like what's his name with the Land Rover thing that isn't a Land Rover what's his name sir sir hypocrite of something not Dyson he's a hypocrite the other one Someone is going to manufacture it somewhere else other than in this country, which is where he promised to manufacture it. Yes, and a staunch, a staunch Brexit supporter, because that's definitely what we want. Sir Jim Ratcliffe, that's the hypocrite. That's the man, that's the man. <laughs> name it, and shame. Name and shame. This is a person, a billionaire Brexiter, who said this is going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, British sliced been, bread. British sliced bread. None of that foreign... Not that foggy, bloody... Baguette rubbish, no one that one British home pie, white, white bread. No. 
<laughs> I heard a, heard a little of um, Adrian Charles uh, earlier doing a program on another radio station. The premise of the program was he wanted to equip himself entirely with British clothing, a British vehicle, and so on and so on. And he interviewed somebody at the SMMT who wasn't Mike Hawes, who said, no, you're joking. There isn't such a thing. There is no British vehicle anymore that is entirely British. Every vehicle in this Morgan? country, even if it's a... Sem- no, no, even Morgan buys in parts from elsewhere in Europe. Yeah, I suppose They so. don't manufacture Ford everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a divisive year, hasn't it? It's been a divisive year. It's been a just divisive a five years that we're just coming to the end of and we're only just about to reap the whirlwind. Shall, shall we get on to something cheerier and talk about yes. Christmas presents, good, Please. bad and otherwise? Now, it wouldn't be a Christmas podcast if we didn't talk about two things. Firstly, some of the best and worst Christmas presents we've ever had. Maybe this is going to be three things. Who knows? It'll probably be 27 by the time it's all done. And another thing is the things that we're looking forward to that we're going to get for Christmas, hopefully. Things that are on our list related to cars or in some way related to your car that we're hoping for this Christmas. Something to look forward to. What I particularly want to get is a Stelvio. Uh, having raved about them in the past, they've just bought a new one out, which is even quicker. Even more luxuriously equipped and still, I think, only about 85 grand, which in supercar terms these days for 180 mile an hour, five-seater is is laughably low. Or Maserati, but then, as you know, I'm passionate about Maseratis. The most useless, I think, uh, Christmas present I've ever had, motor and Christmas present, uh, aside from socks and ties and stuff like that, is is a, 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 a tie-on steering wheel cover, a leather steering wheel cover, which came with a needle and a leather lace, so you could sew it on. Nice. Bloody awful. Actually, I've still got it somewhere. I saw it recently, but uh, no, I never fitted it. And I've had that for probably 10, 15 years. But somebody who should know better. Definitely sounds like it's worth keeping hold of. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably um, it'll probably turn up on one of those auction programmes one of these days as a... It's an appreciating classic piece of trash. <laughs> David, what do you got? Well, on the list this year, you know, in the unobtainium stakes, I think I'll uh, just uh, the ability to put my name down for one of Gordon Murray's new creations, but uh, I fear that they've already gone. So uh, good thing I can't ever afford one of those or even even a sniff of one of those. I don't know, things that, that I... There's nothing really on my list that I particularly want that certainly... In the, in the reality stakes at least but I do remember one Christmas this was back in the very late 80s I don't know if you're of a certain age you may remember it's getting at me again Yeah. <laughs> well you're about the only one who will remember this Greg because you know I'm knocking on I, I remember these things there was back in the days when car phones were still really cool and they were a sign that you'd made it and were really really successful and a businessman you could get these fake plastic ones that stuck on your dashboard that could came you? with a little yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I want one of these. Picture. Yeah, they're probably going for a fortune on eBay now. Had I kept mine, it'd be worth a bit. But uh, it came with a little um, pigtail curly aerial that you stuck onto one of your windows, usually in the wow. back where they all were. Mm. And I got given one of those for Christmas, and it, uh, it I must admit, because I was of a certain age, it took pride of place on the uh, metal bare metal dashboard of my Mark II Ford Escort until it fell off. Oh. And uh, I was stopped by, uh, it wasn't Surrey, it was Met Police back in those days, 
routine check of a car that looked like it was on its way to the scrapyard and being driven by someone probably not quite old enough to be driving it. Is this your car, sir? Yes. Oh, I see you have in-car communications, do you? I just took it off, pulled it off the dashboard and handed it to him. So it's not actually connected to anything, I'm afraid. Oh, well, <laughs> on your way then. As long as it's not in your line of sight and causing you a distraction, I don't give a whatever it is. But that was quite fun. There was another thing as well that I didn't get and I, I really wanted one, actually. Phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I great. Just, I, why would? Are you telling me this is a was this was a great present or this was a terrible one? Because I, I can't quite call that. It was a sh- present, but to an eighteen-year-old, it was actually quite funny. I'll try and see if I can find a picture of it, and we'll put I it want, on the I, website. I genuinely want one of those to stick in the onion. That sounds amazing. It was called the Car Phony. That was it. Let me look it up. <laughs> I'm gonna look phony. it up. Well, you could get it from places like um, Euro Car Parts. You know, sort of the various different motor factors in those days. So if you want to see what a car phony looks like, take a look at our website, ukmotortalk.co.uk, and you'll be able to see a picture of that alongside the Yaris GR we were chatting about earlier. Don't get excited, though. Don't get too excited. It's, it's real geek stuff. But the other thing that I remember at the time was this thing you could put on your dashboard on the top. It was battery-powered, and it had four buttons, and they were labelled guns, rocket, bomb, and something else. And it was, it was for... Um, when you were stuck in traffic, you just press this button and it made a noise like a bomb falling or something like that. Again, I didn't get one of those and I actually wanted one of them. But there we are. They're probably worth a bit now as well. I have seen someone do stickers that go on. The, you know when you have those blank buttons on your car that tell you you haven't bought one with enough spec? Oh, it's ejector seat. That's yeah, something. you can get those that say rockets and, and things like that. <laughs> I, I want that. <laughs> I yes. want it connected to something though I want it to actually do what it promises I'm looking for a car phone now I've stepped away from the podcast just to google this uh, that's incredible <laughs> sorry sorry I've distracted everyone no, I, I, I I'm loving it. this uh, well one thing I have uh, I have asked for this Christmas which is uh, automotive related and uh, just to point out that um, not for a lack of trying UK Motor Talk isn't sponsored so we have uh, no in no way received any money for advertising said product or services. Having said that, if anybody does want to uh, sponsor us, then we will uh, quite happily suckle it to your uh, corporate teat for uh, any amount of plugging that you want. But uh, I've <laughs> asked for something from a, uh, a website called Petrol Passion, and they do uh, they do very funky interiors mm. of, uh, of older cars in sort of a, um, I don't know, synthwave type thing, you know, sort of very 80s, very uh, very retro uh, drawing, so I've asked for a, a bit of artwork like that. So all sophisticated, asking for artwork for Christmas. We'll put a, uh, a link up on the website, but have a look at that. It's petrolpassion.eu. So I'd uh, I'd hurry up and get your orders in in the next six days if I were you, and um, <laughs> yeah, have a look at what they've got. It's lovely stuff. See, being a a car guy, people quite often buy me car related bits and pieces, and these range from little model cars and things that are brilliant, like. Uh, a Lego Mini, which was an awesome present, to well anything you think of bits for the car. You know, it's in things that I've actually asked for. Uh, I have received some bits of car gadgetry in the past, though, which have been uh, questionable. Uh, do, does anyone remember those? It was like a, a lock pick that had two batteries in it. It, used to, it was like a spike mm. came out of it, and it used to get hot, so you could defrost the uh, lock on your car. Do you yes, remember, these? remember those? Yep. yep. I got given one of these quite early on, but I've almost always had a car with remote central locking so all that happened was i must have been given this when i was at school which is even weirder when you think about it we used to take it in and then just randomly schooled each other with it i seem to remember <laughs> i was about to say surely that just gets used for stabbing somebody and cauterizing the wound at the same time i think we used to do stupid things like heat up padlocks 
So the padlock on your locker, so it would get really hot and someone would go to open it and it would be hilarious, the fact that we'd all burnt each other and all that kind of stuff because, you know, you're that sort of age and that kind of stuff somehow is hilarious. Um, and the other thing is, it was an electric ice scraper mm. to, to do the windows with. You, have to, you plug it into the 12 volt socket and then it has a cable and a heating element inside and you hold it against the glass and it, but you have to hold it in, I suppose it's probably about two and a half inches square in each section before you could then scrape it, which which kind of seemed to defy the point when you could just use the scraping bit on it without it plugged in, and it worked perfectly well. But I must have carried that in the back of my car for about six years. It's a nice idea in principle, isn't it? I know exactly the sort of thing you mean, because, yes, we got given one of those once. And to go back to the lock de-icer thing, that could also come back and backfire on you slightly, because if the thing got extended inside your pocket, all of a sudden you go, what the hell's going on? Why is my <laughs> leg on fire? And the next thing you know, you've got a sort of two-and-a-half-inch long burn down your thigh, which is very, very uncomfortable, and your trousers are on fire. But, yes, use with caution those things. It's a good thing they probably don't need them much anymore. There must be there must be other gadgets like this that you can still get. I can't remember the last time someone bought me something like that. I'm sure if you were to go on Alibaba, there's any number of stuff you can import from China that will do that sort of thing and harm you in any means that you want to uh, be harmed. I bet someone makes touchscreen-friendly gloves. You know, you can get them for your phone where they have the one finger where you can touch the buttons on it. I bet someone does that so that when you're in the car, you can still use your touchscreen. Oh, yeah, it would be the same thing, won't it? Let's wear the same gloves. They're already available, I think. Well, yes. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. We have solved a problem here. So if you're looking for a, a present for somebody who likes to wear gloves in the car and for some reason doesn't wear driving gloves, I mean, everyone wears those, right? Then there you go. You could uh, top consumer tip for you. Go out there and buy a mobile phone compatible pair of gloves for somebody. I can't be unique in still asking for for want of a better word, toys and stuff. But I do have a little remote-controlled Vantage coming. There's a surprise for you for Christmas, hopefully, for my for my little boy. And it's the same with... I've bought a slightly bigger one as well as a, for, for me, from me, but I haven't told Mrs G. Um, so that's being delivered to work at some point. Not a full-size one, sadly, yet, but, you know. Something to aspire to. All these things, yeah, definitely. If I had the shelf space, I would um, add to my admittedly small and dormant collection for many years of Burago models. I don't know if you remember them, but they were quite highly detailed and were very, very nicely made. And all the doors opened and all the sort of various bits and pieces. So if you had the the Ferrari, which I had, the BB512, it had the back clamshell opened up and the front boot opened up and the doors opened up. And it was lovely. They were beautiful things to behold, almost you know fetishistic detail that you could look at and i had that i had it was mostly ferraris i had a and i had an eb110 a bugatti EB110. i had the eb110 in blue ah no i had silver mine was uh. in silver i think mine was the ss version because it had the little holes behind the drivers and the passenger doors now that's really geeky nanaraki <laughs> it was a bugatti eb110 made by burago and it was fantastic and i really really like it and it's somewhere in one of the many boxes or in the loft somewhere but if I had the shelf space and the and the time, the money and the inclination, I would probably sort of be hunting down those. I don't know if... Do they even still exist, Burago? Yeah, still going, I think. Yeah? Oh, that's good yeah. to know. Or probably not a good thing to know, actually, thinking about it. I have... Breaking news, I have just found a car phony on eBay. Uh-oh. It, yeah, I know. It, this one's in America, $19.99 and £15 postage. But, as promised, it comes with the little sticky-on aerial. And it says, ironclad lifetime warranty. A little booklet comes with it. 
That's incredible. <laughs> yes, yes, it can't go wrong. It literally can't go wrong. Um, they were going I, for four ninety nine on eBay when I last looked. My sister lives in America, so if you want it, she can buy it and, uh, and bring it back. Well, that's very kind of her. I, I heard you wanted one of these. Uh, can you just imagine the look on her face when that turned up at the door? What is this? Why would anyone want that? <laughs> well, taking it through customs would be interesting, wouldn't it? What's inside it? Go on, let's open it up. Get the Stanley uh, knife do, out. Do I have? Do I have to show you? Come oh, on, it's not for me, honestly. <laughs> Oh, it's a gift. What what I particularly like is it has the original box with it. And at the top, it has a before picture, which is a picture of a beetle. And then beneath it, it has a picture <laughs> of a 9-11 as the after. Uh, <laughs> that is basically what it does for you and your image. That is phenomenal. Um, hopefully, if it's not ended on eBay, you'll be able to see a link to this as well. I mean, it might have ended because I may well have bought it by that point. But yeah, that is incredible. I've created a monster. Now seems like a great time to talk about some of our favourite cars from the year, seeing as we're pretty much at the end of it. And if nothing else, there has been some new cars. So, Graham, what has been your favourite car for 2020? One that's uh, sort of impressed me has been the, the VW ID3. Uh, the oh. technology is interesting. And it's selling like the proverbial hotcakes in, um, is in... Well, I hope that's not an unfortunate turn of phrase. Electric cars being perhaps prone to overheating... But um, no. Teslas, I seem to have seen an extraordinary number of broken down ones uh, in the last few months. Whether that's uh, maybe they suffer from COVID as well, in a flight <laughs> of fantasy. Though. I was tempted to go with the ID3. I have to say, because I think in terms of impressive new cars that have come out this year, that has got to be up there, hasn't it? A, a reasonably priced family car, which looks a bit different. We saw one on the road yesterday. Actually, we were. Uh, heading it was up. the first one I think I've seen on the road. Yeah, you? same. Yeah, same. I've I seen, seen I live not far away from a VW dealership. It's near enough opposite where I live, in fact. And so I've seen a few parked up and plugged in, but I've not seen one on the road. I, th- I think it's one of those cars that is, is going to be attractive, not because it has one outstanding feature. Uh, it doesn't have greater range than everybody else. It doesn't have more of this, more of that. It It just seems to be well put together and... As good uh, as virtually anything else, if not uh, in any way, shape or form, better. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good package and an affordable price. And I don't know what the, what the selling numbers are like in, in, in the UK so far, but they're already selling very, very well in Europe. So a uh, long way ahead. I mean, it's always tricky with uh, with Car of the Year awards, isn't it? Because I think there's certainly been a lack of new car launches. But I think in, in terms of a car that actually has come out this year, I think I'd, I'd probably go for the Honda E. I saw one in real life, first time actually seeing one in the metal, parked next to me at uh, an electric car charging bay. Uh, the thing looks fantastic, and somehow, whether he'd accidentally just left it turned on or left the ignition on or whatever it was but you had the the dashboard all lit up so you could see how the cameras were working and the rear view mirrors and this that the other great little car and yeah maybe not the best range and, and maybe a couple of quid too expensive but if it's one of those cars that's pushing electric vehicles into uh, into mainstream and allowing us to hang on to petrol powered cars as playthings for a bit longer then fair play to it and it does look good I think my car of the year is also electric. Now, there are a lot of things that I, you, you go for. Um, and to be honest, my I think my regular car of the year has been the new Puma. 
which surprised me because I don't really like SUVs. They're not really my kind of thing. But that genuinely is a great car to drive. And now there's an ST one, which is quicker, although not quite as quick as Fiesta ST and... I think I'd probably still rather have a Focus ST instead. However, I think it proves that the concept can be interesting, which can only be an exciting thing. So that's my accessible car of the year. The car of the year that I'm most excited by, though, is the Taycan. I think that is an incredible piece of kit. It looks great, as Porsche should do. It's I would say it's a sensible four-door car. It's not really sensible, because I'm not sure there's enough space in the back to be much more than a 2 plus 2. But... I think, as an example of what an electric car can be, this is an exceptional example of what an electric car can be, because this feels like the beginning of something else. Yes, we're developing the ID3, which is a great piece of kit, as we all agree, but this feels like there is an alternative to Tesla, finally. And I would much rather drive this than the Tesla, if I'm honest. I think it's a great-looking car, admittedly, outside of my reach at this point but i think it shows where we can go it's otherworldly fast and it's going to be built by porsche which means that theoretically it should be much better built i think it's one of those handle with care cars if you've seen that bit of footage that's been doing the rounds on the internet of somebody getting it drastically wrong and landing on top of somebody else's car somewhere oh that was a gem now how how do you explain that one on the insurance well there's two pedals and i pressed the wrong one well you know i showed that to my grandson and it was on repeat for about 20 minutes and he just cracked, <laughs> cracked up every time he just loved it uh, it's, it's an absolute gem bit of schadenfreude yeah there's, there's there's an element of that but no no the taycan's wonderful I, I even down to the little details like when you want to sort of fill it up with electricity you press the button and the little door slides inside to uh, mm. allow you access to your three pin socket i think it's I think it's wonderful it's, it's a lot of money stuff. but it also has proper controls inside unlike the big tv screen that you get inside a tesla which to be fair is just a pain in the backside and yes just... physical controls are just better aren't they i mean yeah there's one thing we can i think we'll all agree on having driven many different things, not having actual buttons to do things, even to the extent where you have a a, a plus or minus to turn the, the temperature up and down on the climate control, and you have to look at the screen for it. If you've got a dial or something else, it's just so much easier. It's just better. I, I think, yes, it looks nice having a, a touchscreen in the middle, but just stop it. <laughs> you shouldn't be taking your eyes off the road for anything other than essentials. Yes. And if you're if you're having to sort of go and sort of find out, oh, my seat heater needs turning down, or I need to sort of turn up the demister, or I need to find out where the button is in three different menus deep so I can demist the rear window, then somebody's done a very bad job of the um, the user interface, and that's dangerous and it's stupid. If you can just reach down with your hand and feel the the dial to sort of turn your your heater up or down that's far more sensible although you could argue in a tesla chances are the things in autonomous mode anyway so you don't actually have to be looking out the window though i know that's a flippant and trite thing and that's all rubbish i like the tesla and realistically if i was going to buy an electric car that i could just about squeeze to afford it's probably going to be a model three or the next one that comes out the the, which is now the model y i think is the next one isn't it because it's it's sexy S3XY, because originally it was going to be SEXY, so the Model Y. It It's going to be something like that, but in terms of, I'm not quite sure it's, it's bedroom wall cool, but the Taken S is, what, 2.8 seconds to 60, something like that? That's adequate. 
yeah, it's otherworldly fast. Some some people, I think Chris Harris was saying, it's it's almost too fast for the road because you put your foot down and you're really going far faster than you'd expect. So I guess when you get used to that, maybe that's fine. But uh, yeah, I, I can't say I'd be upset if I had one of those things. If I spent my own money on one of those things, I would be happy. As you say, the details are there, the badge is there. It's just a lovely thing all around, and I think it's exciting because it shows where we can go. And I think there's probably a bit more in it as well. I think there's this is the start of what they're going to be doing. And it's nice to know there is someone other than Tesla that makes a genuinely exciting, fast electric car. Because this shows what electric cars can do compared to a traditional engine that we all know and love. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, there's, I think next year, I think it's just about sort of coming out this year, but it'll be for the next model year, the, the new Hummer EV this thing, you know, weighs however many tons. Really? It's the size of a house. Oh, yeah. The really? next Hummer, they're, they're relaunching really? Hummer, and it's a pure electric vehicle. And it wow. can do 0 to 60 in the blink of an eye and is immense and will do all sorts of clever things. And uh, obviously, it will never be sold over here, I shouldn't imagine, because the roads aren't wide enough. But it's an amazing thing. I saw it. I must admit, I didn't realise that it was coming back, but it's it's just absolutely packed full of tech it's like everything the other hummer wasn't it's like the anti-hummer if you want it's it's like it's found its green credentials is that like the antichrist yeah <laughs> it's put on its um its bark underpants and its hair shirt and it's it's got a conscience but this it will almost certainly be going head to head with if it ever arrives the aforementioned tesla's uh, cyber truck i should imagine and i think given the choice between the two and how they look it'd be a humvee for me every time i'd love to know what the range is in that because that must weigh approximately 10 tons um i think i i mean i don't know i mean i'm i, I should have really done my research this is terrible but as i recall <laughs> it's not as heavy as you might think it's actually a bit lighter i think there's some quite sort of clever weight saving going on because i think they got stung by the uh, brick bats that they got deservedly last time they launched something and everyone said well it's oversized it's dangerous it's polluting it does about three to the gallon why the hell would you want one now they've come out completely the other way and I think it's it's trying to be everything the old one wasn't. Well, so the batteries in uh, in these things are insanely heavy. I was flicking through. Uh, I finally found some tech specs on them the other day, and I think the battery that's in the Cougar plug-in hybrid it's only a uh, fifteen kilowatt hours the battery, and I think it weighs a hundred and sixty, a hundred and seventy kilos, something like that. Wow, and the uh, the battery in the forthcoming Mackie, so I think the I, I'm not sure if this is the extended range or, or whatever else, but it's it's around about two hundred and fifty to three hundred miles range, let's say. That weighs eight to nine hundred kilos just for the battery, which is wow. insanely heavy. That's a lot, isn't it? So when you start thinking that uh, some of these cars will be carrying around an LPNA one ten underneath, that's yeah. mad. Yes. It's insane, isn't it? But you think about that in uh, in terms of uh, when you said there about um, lightweight materials and weight saving. Actually, it it kind of pushes the rest of the car to have to be lighter. So, are we going to see you know more and more carbon fibre and lightweight exotic metals have to be used just to keep the overall weight of the car down? But if you think about um, in an accident. You know, regardless of whether the battery rips into and catches fire or whatever else, to have you know a nine hundred kilo weight at the bottom of the car just waiting to be detached. I mean, that's got to have some fairly hefty bolts to hold it in place, hasn't it? You might also want to be be wanting to sit rather behind it rather than in front of it. 
Because if you hit anything hard, there's 900 kilos that are going to come rushing at you from the rear. Um, mm. Yeah, it's not a not a pleasant thought. What? Yes, I may have been mistaken when I said that it was being made with super lightweight materials. It's American, after all, so I take it all back. How much does it weigh? Tell us, David. A lot. How much? Um, well, I think, judging by what I've just been able to glean from the interwebs, anything from about four and a half to uh, six, six thousand three hundred and fifty kilograms. What? So, what? yes, such as three cars. But at least it isn't belching out fumes when it's stuck in traffic. I suppose it's sucking its electricity from big power stations that are doing that somewhere out of sight and out of mind. So you know, it pays your money, which probably won't be particularly cheap either but it's it's got an incredible range of about 400 miles i believe it will also do naught to 16 under three seconds and it's got the equivalent of about a thousand horsepower and uh, which it will need to shift that weight around probably you'll forgive me that i don't know enough about being off road to know what sort of difference that's going to make if you've taken something like that off road being six tons well, traction won't be an issue, I would have no. thought, but bogging down <laughs> might be. Will it just sink? Probably. Depends where you take it. I think you can also do the clever trick with this thing where you can sort of deflate the tyres from inside the car as well. So if you need to go across slightly boggier ground, you can spread the load a bit more easily, which I know was a, certainly a feature of the military version, and I think that made its way to the original civilian version, and I think you can do the same. I'm only going by what I remember watching on the uh, inestimable... Doug Demuro's video channel where he he didn't drive it bumper he only had a pre prod but um, yeah bumper bumper <laughs> certainly bumper a bit warrant. better I don't know if Carmax will touch it with a barge pole but <laughs> it um, it was it's a very entertaining video actually I know mean, we're not affiliated or sponsored by God wish we were but Doug's uh, Doug's a very entertaining uh, presenter and he did a really good video on this so it's worth it's worth going and having a look at but you know I. I think it's it's one of many of these new newly reborn SUVs that are starting to make their way into our lives again. I mean, we've obviously had the new Land Rover Defender appear over here and elsewhere this year. America's going mad for the new Bronco, which is that looks you know, cool. the same. T- well, it's the same to them as us having the Defender back, isn't it? The Bronco was always the really cool thing, and and the original ones are now fetching stupid money nostalgia sells doesn't it and i'm sure that's what they're trading on there's no way hum humvee could have come back after the pasting they got last time had it not been for the invention of electric battery power i'm just going to skip back to the bronca here because i can't understand why that's not come to the uk lots of people have been campaigning championing for this to happen and although there's no real history of the bronco here it's a cool looking car that would definitely sell it's like the explorer which is a hybrid with a lot of power think of three liter v6 and seven seats. These cars would sell in this country. Instead, we get sort of things like the Edge. What were they thinking with that two-litre diesel five-seat car that's the sort of size of a Land Rover and cost 40 grand? No, this is the kind of thing that people want, like the Bronco. An electric one would be cool, but probably too expensive. Well, I think part of the reason you won't see it over here is to do with the emissions. You know, sort of the, albeit we are, as we've mentioned many times, crashing out of europe and uh, we are allegedly still adhering to most of the rules and regs when it comes to sort of car harmonization and uh, sort of un regs and that sort of stuff and sense, i know that to be honest. Um, well yeah and plus we've got this much vaunted sort of ditching of of internal combustion engines by the sort of in the next sort of 10 15 years or so nine years um nine years well there we go it's, it's coming quicker than even i'd thought so the I believe that in terms of emissions and so on, the Bronco's engine lineup so far 
uh, does not make it uh, viable for for selling for the nine years it would it would take to sort of gain traction, if you'll pardon the pun, or to make an impact over here. So they're just not going to bother. But I imagine there will be quite a market for the grey import sort. And with the Explorer, they they're bringing it over to Europe. Admittedly, it's left hand drive rather than right hand drive. So if that works in Europe, that must work in the UK you'd think surely well you'd have thought so wouldn't you yeah mm. I know they've got to make it right hand drive anyway there you go Ford if you're listening to this stop cocking about and bring us something interesting <laughs> done <laughs> Twenty twenty one now then. What are we looking forward to? I think I'm looking forward to going outside. <laughs> I've really missed going to I'm gonna say this enthusiast events. But standing and this is very difficult to explain. I tried to explain this once to my wife and she said, What do you do at, when you go to these car meets? And I said, Basically, I stand in a field with a load of other men who also have the same car that I do, because invariably they're men. Thankfully, there are also now lots of car girls, where there never used to be. I stand in a field with a load of other men who also have the same car that I do and talk to them about the fact they own the same car that I do. And it kind of sounds a bit weird. You haven't sold me, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it, admittedly, it's a bit different to what other people do, which is park in a car park or in a field for the people that own different cars for them uh, and waver them at night time. We'll go dog walking or something. I don't know. But nevertheless, I I have missed being able to go out and go on a, a rally, go out for a drive somewhere with all my mates, meet up somewhere, like the London Brighton Mini Run, that kind of thing. Um, events down at Bewley, just going and seeing cars and talking to people about cars because they're interested in cars. Yeah, just uh, the thought of being able to go out and about without having to check tiers and regulations is... Um... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed, I think, has been announced, so fingers crossed everything's under control and that can go ahead because I'm uh, looking forward to Goodwood if we can get there this year. I did enjoy Speed Week, though. I thought that was pretty good. Although not maybe as polished as it could have been, I thought the concept was brilliant. Would have been nicer to be there, of course. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being, being back there, hopefully. We will be so. What are these going to look like, these events? Because I don't think that even if we have the vaccine and it's all rolled out and it's all done in time for us to go to these i don't think that people are going to have that same kind of confidence that they're willing to push through crowds it's, i don't know how we're going to have these these meets as, as distanced events i think things will be different next year but it's got to be better than what we've had i don't know i've never been one for huge huge crowds anyway but the crowds at goodwood never bothered me and if one particular area was too busy for whatever reason you you go somewhere else or go and look at something else but i think once everyone's got the uh the vaccine or certainly from your own personal point of view once you've had the vaccine then you're well away that's that's it if you've had the vaccine you can't get it so off you go mm, i just don't mm. think the world's going to be quite the same again but i just i do hope that we still manage to have events like we're used to where we can just walk around and you can stand right next to your heroes and we've, we've talked about this before at some length but for me growing up as a kid it wasn't necessarily the drivers that were the heroes it was the cars those were the things that i found exciting about motorsport so when you can you could go up there and you could stand next to an escort cosworth or whatever it might be you know your formula one car or a dtm car or btcc whatever volvo monday whatever it was that you're particularly interested in primera who knows this for me was kind of like meeting your heroes you could get up there and you could walk around everything you could walk through all the people you could talk to the mechanics and i just hope we get that kind of thing back again i really do 
Well, I don't know if you can hear that, but the bells in the distance are ringing and it must be nearly time for Christmas. So I think really all that remains is for us to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And here's to a fantastic 2021. It's got to be better than this year, but we've got lots to look forward to, I'm sure. Thank you for listening to us for all of this year and all the nonsense that we talk about. But until next year, I'm Mike. Goodbye. Yes, I'm Jim. Thanks for listening and uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you next year. And I'm Graham and uh, I hope you all have a very good Christmas. Wonderful New Year. I hope it is going to be a wonderful New Year. It certainly can't be worse than this one. Let's all go and enjoy it. And from me, Dave, I would just echo what all my colleagues have said. Have a lovely Christmas. Go out and do everything to excess, but not too much, obviously. And let's hope that next year is a really good one. Cheers. Here's to five litres of mulled wine on Graham. (laughs) UK Motor Dork, a first take media production. Ho, ho, ho.